Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on CityCast Madison. Wouldn't it be nice if you could eat like you're in Italy every night? Well, one of Madison's best Italian chefs just put out a cookbook packed with recipes from his restaurant. Lasagna bolognese, eggplant parmesan, focaccia. It's called the Osteria Papavro Cookbook, recipes from the Italian shack and beyond. That chef is owner Francesco Mangiano, and yes, you even get his butterscotch pudding recipe. Bonus, the book is co-written with our friend, Cap Times editor, Lindsay Christians. Fair warning, this one's gonna make you hungry. It's Thursday, August 24th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Francesco, hello. Hello, good to, good to meet you. How's it going? It's going well. It's lovely to talk with you. I wanted to know, um, why did you want to make a cookbook? Uh, a couple of different reasons. One is the amount of time that takes to have in a restaurant takes away from family life. And something that we all kind of talk about in the industry, but there's really not much of a solution. And so I realized having three kids all the time that I took away over the years from them. And one thing was to have something and make something and put together something that it would help in the future uh, as kind of, here, here are my recipes and uh, you can use them. You can, uh, this was something I used to eat when you were a kid. And, you know, even though I wasn't always around because I'm mostly in the restaurant, but this is for you. And also, obviously, for our customers, because we had a lot of people coming over the years and uh, asking for recipes. Some people emailing me, some people calling me on the phone. I can't answer everybody all the time. You want to put an end to that? <laughs> right. So it was a lot easier to just put everything together in a book with uh, some recipes that were at least popular among our core customers and, uh, and make them happy. So from the budino to the boar, white boar dish to by Natar, too many other things that I think people appreciate. Uh, they're on that cookbook. Oh, it's just beautiful. And Papavro certainly makes uh, me happy as well as many listening, I'm sure. You know, your cookbook is laid out according to regions of Italy rather than by courses. And why did you choose that? Well, there were many thoughts about the structure of this book when we first started talking about it with Lindsay Christians. We went for what was easier for me in terms of my history. So, uh, I even spent my childhood in between Bologna, which is northeast of Italy, and Tuscany, which is where my uh, my family is, which has a beautiful coast, lots of seafood. And I also spent most of my summers in the mountains when my uncles would take me or my parents. It didn't make sense to do, okay, uh, mountains, sea, and valley. And then because I spent the last 20 years of my life here in Madison, the farmer's market always there. Uh, has a big influence what we do. So 
I almost automatically those four things came together in terms of my history and my my path as a person as a chef. So those were the four areas that we decided to divide all the recipes, and everything else came came right after pretty easily after that. I absolutely love that, and it's very it feels novel and and lovely. And also in in the title it says uh, recipes from the Italian shack and beyond. And what's the Italian shack? Is that giving us more of a sense of place? The Italian shack is what one of my cooks, Charlie, used to call the place in a joking way. Because oh. we were never, we were never <laughs> really taking the place too seriously from the start. There is a lot of ego going on with chefs and restaurants. There is a lot of, uh, unfortunately, pretension. Like sometimes kind of fine dining. And we never wanted to get to that level. Never wanted to take things, yes, seriously, but not too seriously. And then the other thing that I always thought about, we're... They call it fun dining, but I see it more from my perspective as an ethnic place. It is Italian food, regional food, the way it's done back in the country. So what we do belongs to a culture. So rather than being pompous, to me, it's always been, we are a little restaurant, so a shack. And down to earth that we make food that is pretty simple. Yeah, and speaking of your roots, um, you talk about learning to cook at a young age, including running the pasta crank to make your own. Do you still make your pasta from scratch? Yeah, we don't use the damn crank anymore. <laughs> I would <laughs> run my cooks crazy, or especially Miguel, which is the pasta master in my kitchen, if we use the hand crank. No, we have an electric machine. It's a little bigger. It still takes a lot of time and dedication to do that, but we do pasta every week. Yeah, I mean, they put me, my my aunts put me at the hand crank pasta machine because it was the easiest thing that they could put me on when I was little. So they certainly don't put you right away a folding tortelli or tortellini by hand, which is something that it takes a lot to learn. Just like in a restaurant business, you're a kid, you start from the, the very bottom, you know, and then they teach you how to go the other things. That makes sense. So I feel like we should talk about the recipes. Learned about your focaccia. <laughs> Focaccia <laughs> recipe has potatoes in it. What? <laughs> Why? Well, the, uh, again, there's a couple of different reasons that too. Um, potatoes have a tendency to retain a lot of moisture. When you incorporate into a dough, uh, they tend to be just like, you know, when you go to the farmer's market and find the old-fashioned potato donuts, same thing. They have the same property of being able to retain moisture and keep moist what you make in the big good that you make it. So that's that's one thing. Uh, but it also goes back to, again, to poor man cooking and, and, and cooking with what you have around you. So focaccia barese means from Bari. Bari is in Puglia, which is my, my dad's place of origin. And uh, in Puglia, it's considered still nowadays a pretty poor region. They've cooked with a lot of vegetables because that's cheaper than meat and fish. And potatoes was a way to bulk up the focaccia dough every time you didn't have enough wheat and you didn't have enough flour. You end up with still a very rich and moist focaccia, but without having to spend the money at the market for the wheat. And you feature a number of eggplant recipes, which I feel like eggplant is kind of a splitter. So people love it or they hate it. You mentioned your father hated it. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is funny too. My father... My father ate it, ate it, and I believe, even though he never told me, because he was fat to match eggplant when he was a kid by his own model. So that's that's my that's my take on it. That's what I think. But no, it's, it's funny that uh, would be something that people would be not agreeing on. 
Eggplant is something they use in so many cultures. It comes from the, in the Middle East. It was introduced into Europe during medieval times. And then it's probably one of the most diverse, most um, eclectic vegetables in the sense that you can do just about everything with eggplant. You can cook it raw and cure it. You can preserve it. So boil it and then put in a little solute water and then in oil. You can fry it to crisp. You can grill it. You can saute it. Uh, you can roast it. Uh, remove the pop and make a beautiful filling like do for Baba Ganoush in the Middle East still. It, it is probably with tomato the most versatile vegetables that I can think of. So it was natural for us also being used a lot in Italy, of course, to put it in the recipes. But I just wanted kind of to show so many things you can do with it. And of course, we couldn't include 400 recipes in the book, only 40. So. <laughs> It is the tomato season time. What should we know about tomatoes and, and the recipes in your book? Tomatoes are exciting in the sense you can, uh, in a couple of those recipes, including the book, I think, including the um, the oven roasted tomato, which is something that, again, with the concept of seasonality, a lot of times you go and buy a tomato in the winter, right? Or in the fall, and the story is obviously not right. It's watery, it's not particularly ripe, it's not particularly sweet. Well, one thing you can do with those tomatoes that are not in season, you can still, if you, if you have to buy them, uh, you can still uh, toss them with a little salt, wipe the salt and toss them with a little garlic and sugar and thyme, like we do at the restaurant, slice and thin, and then put it in the oven at very low temperature. So that gets rid of all the extra water, and you're still concentrating all the flavor and all the sweetness from those tomatoes, even though they, they might not be the best tomatoes in the world. But still end up with something really, really interesting and, and tasty. What's the low temperature, would you say? 275, even 300, about an hour, 150 minutes. Uh, you have to watch them so you can burn it because tomatoes have a lot of sugar. So eventually they'll burn if you forget your timer or if you walk out of the kitchen. That's one of the things you can do uh, with those tomatoes. We also start from, I believe that is my Aunt Laura recipe in the book. We start from slice them in half, just get rid of the seeds, and start from a little mixture of breadcrumbs, cheese, and parsley and garlic, and roast them around 400 degrees. Those are delicious too in the summer. Uh, it's another recipe where you don't need the perfect tomato or the most ripe tomato to make a tasty tomato dish. Uh, but then all the other recipes you know, people are coming with, toss them in a salad, cook them down to a sauce, make bolognese. I mean, there's lots of things you can do with them. Well, this is good news. <laughs> some some tricks there for you know how to make the most of any time of the year. Another guy, we got to talk about fennel. I'd wager a number of folks might not be able to identify fennel bulbs in the store or really what they're used for. What's the power of fennel, in your opinion? Well, the fennel is a very large family, so I don't know what most people realize, but it's the whole entire family that encompasses uh, dill and tarragon, herbs, but also fennel bulbs, aniseeds, drink pernod. You go to a bar, drink pernod in France, that's also from, from aniseeds, so that's made from the same... One of the products, one of the things from the same family. Fennel bulbs are the bulb that, the white bulb that tends to be a little fibrous of the fennel family when it grows in the summer. The tops is another thing that we use where most people would toss and scrap and toss in the garbage. Uh, we can easily get a puree again. But the bottom part is the white part. You can core it, you can cut in wedges, you can boil it as a minute until it's essentially tender. And the recipe in the book is just the fennel gets topped with bechamel and a little parmigiano and put it in the oven to bake. 
So that's delicious. Something I was being fed when I was a kid. Them recipe you can do with other things that maybe people are not super enthusiastic about, like cauliflower or or romanesco broccoli. Is uh, you put cheese on things and butter it, and they're gonna be good. <laughs> As they do in Bologna, as they do in Wisconsin, add some cheese and butter. Absolutely, yeah. Same thing. Oh my goodness gracious. And you know, you've shouted out the Dane County Farmer's Market in the book a couple times. Like, how has being so close to the market impacted your cooking? Well, it saves me time, first of all, because I'm close, but second also, because by now, after many years we've been open, we have a lot of farmers just delivering to us, so I don't have to physically go to the market. I still go. Sometimes Wednesday, sometimes Saturday. This past Saturday was there. There was a group of international chefs that was in town and uh, was happily involved with being the chaperone. So I took them around the farmer's market. I saw some happy faces. So yeah, it makes things easy for me. If I were in Italy, I would find a firm market wherever I lived and have to go there and buy the things that I need. I believe in seasonality. I believe in fresh produce. So that's, that's the way we always like to cook. And that's the way we're going to continue cooking. And your, your ethos is be humble, don't waste, and respect the product, which I feel like getting it straight from the market is, is maybe one way that you can respect the product. No, absolutely. But it's also with respect to the, the work of the farmers. I mean, a restaurant is, in, is uh, interconnected to many other things, to the work of the community around you, to the work of the farmers, whether they're cattle farmers or poultry farmers or vegetable farmers. And also no, no waste. Uh, again, I said it before, the fennel is a perfect example. If you buy a case of fennel buy it from anybody, you end up probably tossing half of that away just because it's fibrous and, and it's hard to cook with. But, but again, put a little research into it, put a little study into it, look at different recipes, look at different the way different cultures approach that vegetable. And you don't need to toss it in the garbage. It's such a waste. Well, you know, you're making vegetables taste good. We know it always, you know, tastes good is dessert. And you mentioned that caramel pudding. Budino di caramello. It's one of your amazing dishes. What makes that special? First of all, I think if there is only one reason why people want to buy the cookbook, that's the one. I mean, uh, they, that way there is a, there's the recipe. It works. It's a great recipe. That's the recipe you get the most questions about? Yes, absolutely. What's special is the things that make you crave a dessert, right? So uh, the butteriness. There is definitely butter and cream in there. The salt, the salt makes most desserts taste much better because dessert that is just sweet doesn't taste as good as something that has a little bit of salt in it. And then just using, again, good butter, good cream, good eggs from the farm. Of course, the rum makes a difference, but it's a very relatively simple recipe. Just stick to the recipe. It'll make you happy at home, for sure. You also write that Milfoy is probably your favorite puff pastry confection and the subject of many of your dreams. When I was little, my parents didn't have a big budget, so they wouldn't take me to maybe a pastry shop until it was the weekend or maybe once a month, maybe not even once a month. Uh, whereas there were other kids that would get their breakfast from the you know from the bakery, fresh breakfast every day before they were going to school because they had money to spend. Um, the fine bakeries all over my town where you can buy a gnocchi fritto, so fried bread with stuff with prosciutto or salami and mortadella. But it costs money, so my parents wouldn't do that. And also for the pastry shop, they wouldn't take me very often. But I could still walk by the pastry shop every Sunday. Sometimes on my way to the church, I would walk by the pastry shop. I could just put my nose inside the door of the pastry shop and smell 
all the fresh puff pastry and all the fresh pastries was made. And it would just make me salivate. <laughs> it's actually making me salivate now thinking about it. So when I was lucky and I was getting grew up and started having my, my little, uh, they would give me a little bit of money. My parents, maybe it was 15, 16, I could just go there and treat myself. And it was this little square of layers of puff pastry with the sabayon cream in the middle that is made fresh every day. In Italy, people don't really keep big products to the next day and sell them. They, they usually get fresh they believe in serving something something fresh so if it's not fresh you don't sell it i don't serve it and so i knew that was made that morning i could smell it and if i could tell you that i'm not salivating as well i would but i this whole conversation i've been dying (laughs) well i love food you know you start being a cooking professional usually if you like to eat so that's that's what happened with me as well. Yes, totally. And you know, something um, that I noticed in the book is the first thing that's written in there is a quote from Federico Fellini, life is combination of pasta and magic. And that is one magical dreamy cinematographer, Mr. Fellini. And I have a hunch that that wasn't a random choice. You know, when you're thinking about plating and aesthetics, what role do they have for you when you're preparing? I think every time you eat something with somebody, it can be a magical opportunity. Sharing food and and eating something together that's delicious that really almost always becomes the memory, right? And if you're traveling and eat something with somebody or share something that somebody has made for you or eat somebody else's food, to me, it's always a magical experience. So for Italians, pasta is the first thing. When I was reading years ago, I found that quote to me is it's just epitomizes the whole idea of, of cooking and food. I don't look so much as aesthetics in terms of beautiful dishes, again, because our food is simple and rustic. So I don't want sloppy plates in my kitchen. But again, being s- simple doesn't mean being sloppy. So something beautiful plated, like tonight we're doing some elk medallions with some potato puree, some artichoke, and just a sauce. It's four things on the plate. It's simple, it's colorful, it doesn't need to be artsy, but at the same time, what counts at the very end is, is the flavor. People will come back to eat something to a restaurant that they crave or that they enjoy the first time. At the end, it's all about the flavor. But of course, the aesthetics count too, and the way you put things on a plate have certain meaning. Just the idea that life is a combination of pasta and magic, no words have ever been truer. Well, Francesco, this has been so lovely. Just appreciate you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun to be at this podcast. That's Francesco Mangiano, chef and owner of the Italian restaurant Osteria Papavro. That's on East Wilson in downtown Madison. His new book is written with Lindsay Christians, and it's called The Osteria Papavro Cookbook, Recipes from the Italian Shack and Beyond. We'll toss a link to the restaurant and the cookbook in our show notes. And here's what else Madison's talking about. The heat. It's going to be very hot again today, so please be careful. Try to limit your time outside and be sure to stay hydrated. Also be mindful for the start of any symptoms of heat stroke, like dizziness, nausea, weakness, or cramps. You'll want to get inside right away. There are a host of spaces, including libraries and churches that are opening their doors as cooling centers. So go soak up that free AC. We'll toss a list in our show notes. Less serious things that are fun on a hot day, 
the local ice cream store, Chocolate Shop, is bringing back its annual Create a Flavor Contest. Are you creative in the kitchen? This might be your moment. The winner gets a free year of ice cream. Not to mention, you can see your flavor in ice cream shops all over Madison next year. You can send in your best idea online or in their shop starting September 8th. You better get working. Then they'll choose three finalists for the public to vote on. How about eggplant? Budino de Carmelo? That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with someone you know who loves a home-cooked meal? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Ciao.